Funding for the Hinckley Report and this podcast is made possible in part by the Cleone Peterson Eccles Endowment Fund and AARP Utah. Thank you for listening to the Hinckley Report, your weekly political roundup. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Tonight on the Hinckley Report, the 2023 legislative session starts with a bang as leaders debate how to spend a historic surplus. Hot button issues dominate the headlines as elected officials take positions on tough topics. And the governor outlines his administration's progress on priorities in his annual State of the State. Good evening and welcome to the Hinckley Report. I'm Jason Perry, director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Covering the week, we have Michelle Quist, columnist for the Salt Lake Tribune, Ben Winslow, reporter with Fox 13 News, and Sage Miller, politics reporter with KUER. So glad to have you with us. The first week of the legislative session is almost behind us. Uh, and a lot of big bills, a lot of interesting topics. But I want to, before we get to those specifics, Michelle, I want to talk about the pace. It's interesting. Sometimes you have a slow ramp up, you know, you hit, hit the end and big stride. It happened quick this time. They are off to uh, a gallop. And they are, you know, they've got their enemy in sight. They are, they're not saving the Great Salt Lake. They are not protecting, you know, against abusers. They are not, uh, they have, they are ready. They are out to get the few transgender youth okay. in Utah. I want to talk about a couple of those bills. Uh, but, but to that, before we talk about the specifics, Ben, sometimes the legislative session, the strategy might be some of these more uh, controversial bills, or the ones that are going to have a lot of debate, save those towards the end. It's interesting that these bills came up in the very first couple days of this legislative session. Yeah, it's what, day 44? And they are acting like it is day 44 <laughs> of the legislative session. This pace, if we keep it up, I mean, I... I don't know if my heart can stand it at this point. Just you know, the the pace. I need a ra I need a nap, y'all. <laughs> uh, but I think I wonder if this is by uh, design because when you think about at the end of the last session, the last night was eaten up by that debate over transgender student athletes, mm -hmm. and that was a very controversial bill, and it languished for weeks with will they, won't they, what are they gonna do, and a lot of bills died on the floor that night. A lot of bills that are back this year. And some lawmakers are a little bit salty about that, that, you know, they had good bills that could have passed last year. Now they got to run them all over again. And so you wonder if they're going to do this. Let's just rip the Band-Aid mm -hmm. off. Let's get these contentious issues dealt with because you have uh, bills dealing with uh, transgender youth. You have bills dealing with uh, school choice, teacher salaries. Some of these bills inspire some pretty big debates. If you get it over with now, you can move on to your other priorities, which include the Great Salt Lake, which include tax cuts, which include a number of other issues mm -hmm that will also eat up a healthy amount of debate. Yeah, and that does happen at the very end, Sage, sometimes, and it does make it so you can't get to some of these other issues. Talk, let's talk about a couple of those bills for just a moment, too. Uh, in, in terms of the strategy, uh, Senator Kennedy introduced one of the three transgender bills that were up this week, and this one is, is particularly talking about gender affirmation surgery, puberty blockers, hormone therapy. Give us a, a, a view of, how, of what happened in that committee. 
Yeah, so SB 16, there was not, during that committee hearing, not a single seat went unsat. It was a completely jam-packed committee room, and there were supporters for and against the bill that Senator Kennedy uh, had during his presentation, then during public comment of people talking about it. And on the supporter side, it really seemed if people specifically were concerned about, on, on the puberty blocker aspect mm -hmm. of it, they were concerned about the research. They say that it wasn't necessarily there, we don't know the long-term impacts of this, and then Kennedy brought brought up this question of can youth actually consent to these kinds of procedures do they know what's actually happening with their body and as he said we all make mistakes and this may be a mistake later on in their life that is irreversible but the medical community does not agree with that uh, a lot of health organizations and associations come out and say that these puberty blockers are 100% reversible and they are safe and they are a form of life-saving care specifically for some of the most vulnerable populations in the nation and so uh, other supporters of the bill said that it was a form of mutilation. They said it was a form of self-harm and that it uh, really was an opportunity for kids to have some more introspection and to really learn about themselves outside of just taking what they would call dramatic action. But the opposer of these bills, specifically in the public comment period that I found incredibly fascinating, was that it was all parents. And I wonder if that was a way to kind of signal this is a parental choice. And it was all parents of people who are parenting transgender youth and they a lot of them came out and said this like this saved my child's life they have significantly more confidence um, they're able to clean their room um, they no longer like want to die and a lot of them said and one person like looked at a lawmaker I'm pretty sure he looked at Kennedy and said you shouldn't ask us to watch our children die and that really resonated with a lot of people in the room. You can't really, you know, call out and yell, like, you can't like, clap or anything like that. So people were raising, giving thumbs up when they agreed with individuals that were bearing their testimony about why these gender affirming procedures are critically important to saving the life of youth. At the end of the day, at the end of that committee hearing, it passed um, and went on to the Senate where they heard uh, they heard that bill on the floor yesterday and the only GOP that voted against that bill was Daniel representative Daniel Thatcher mm -hmm. I mean sorry Senator Daniel Senator. Thatcher and he gave a very very powerful testimony and two of the things that stuck out to me is that he said children will die if we pass this bill and the only supporters the supporters of this bill don't have children impacted by this bill. But everybody that is impacted, he said, is begging us not to pass it. And well, so and there, there is research that shows that when this medical care is given it, you know, at, at this age by medical doctors, that it does affect, um, it does affect uh, suicidal ideation as adults uh, a tremendous amount. It's, it's, uh, give, you know, it's medical research by Stanford University just last year. The, anybody can look it up. Um, these legislators are legislating for medical care, and it, it just doesn't seem right when it's a, it's a parental mm -hmm. uh, issue. Yeah, Let, let's talk about some of the things happening across the country, Ben, because some of the testimony got to getting research. And uh, I'll kind of talk about that in lens of, of Governor Cox. At, you, you referenced the transgender athlete bill at the end of the last legislative session. The governor was very much involved there about the, about the veto. It of was this. vetoed before it even hit the House. Yeah, so he was right. But on this one, uh, this particular bill, I want to read a quote from him and get your thoughts and see what might be different on this issue from that one last year. This is from the governor uh, this week. He said, I believe believe to this bill, this is the right bill, the one that approaches it in the right way, 
All he's saying is we're going to push pause, we're going to look at the research, we're going to gather all of the data and make sure we're not doing any long-term harm to our young people. And I think that's a very reasonable approach. That's from our governor. This is an issue that is going to take a while to get through the, the legislative process, at least even though they've started with it. Um, the governor will have to review it um, and, and determine if he is going to veto it or if he is going to sign it into law. But this signals that he at least is supportive of some concepts of this. Uh, the ban on gender affirmation surgery, um, that's currently not practiced anyway. Mm -hmm in Utah uh, that we know of, and so that would just codify into state law. Uh, the sponsor of the bill has insisted that he wants regulatory approaches, that any physician can claim to treat uh, transgender individuals in a manner consistent with uh, you know, their gender identity, and that they should be subject to some sort of education or regulation or that kind of thing. Um, I, that at least was his rationale to uh, the press corps when he was talking about the moratorium on puberty block for new patients while they set this regulatory framework. Either way, no matter what happens, if this bill passes and is signed by the governor, you can fully expect a legal challenge. Yeah. Uh, this, this pause the governor referenced, you just said, uh, Michelle, is this moratorium, this three-year moratorium. Uh, and some of them are saying we want to get more research around this particular issue. I don't know why legislators are inserting themselves into medical care. A three-year moratorium based on research, there's no research that will ever uh, convince these legislators to allow this type of care. I think it's a ruse. I, I don't think they'll ever allow it. And I think that, that uh, I, I think it's I think it's a ruse. Mm -hmm. And I think that this messaging is a little bit off as well, that there's no regulatory standards that anybody can practice transgender health care. From parents that I've talked to that have youth going through these process, it's very grueling. They have to go to therapists, they have to go to multiple doctors, they have to spend a lot of money. So it's not like they walk into an office, they say, hey, I, uh, I want to transition and they hand them these hormones. It's not like that. It's a very grueling process that does take a lot of time and can be very traumatic for the person going through it. So it's not, they're not giving it out like candy. Right. Do we trust the medical community or not? I don't understand. Uh, so this gets to a couple other points because there were other bills uh, dealing with, with, tra with transgender uh, students. Uh, and one was dealing with school districts, Ben. This was an interesting one here. This is Senator Todd Weiler. Had a first draft, which is, uh, it got to uh, students and their uh, pronouns in school, how they wanted to do their personal pronouns. There was a bill, his first draft would require parental consent for a minor to change their pronouns at school. Some changes happened to that bill that made it more agreeable to, to many. Some changes, the bill just basically got <laughs> gutted. Um, it, it, it started out where a teacher couldn't call a student by their preferred pronouns or the preferred name if they had one that they wanted to go by, uh, not without parental consent. Uh, but what it has turned into is uh, just reaffirming that parents have a right to know what's happening with their kid in the classroom. So uh, a parent could call up and say, hey, you know, just want to know, what's, what, is my kid okay? What's happening with my kid? What's, what's going on? And it now basically affirms that school districts can't actively work to block that. Schools can't say, well, we're not going to tell you anything. Or like, it just reaffirms that right. But um, teachers, at, at least on the surface of how I read the bill, it looks like they can still you know, treat the child as they'd like to be treated. 
Go ahead, Michelle. Is this a, are we small government or not? I'm, I'm so confused. Why are we writing bills to reaffirm things that already exist? I mean, first it seemed like we were legislating pr about pronouns, which is ridiculous. Uh, you know, teachers, teachers have, you know, make safe places for students. We want that to happen. Uh, we don't need to legislate about pronouns. At least, you know, Senator Weiler recognized that his bill was stupid and he gutted it. Um, I, I'm glad, but we don't need to reaffirm that that parents can call schools and and find out what's what's going on we we don't we're small government let's you know let's keep that principle in mind okay so one more connection said you have a comment before yeah and just to bill. kind of like piggyback off of that is that Maslow's hierarchy of needs right which is somebody that in the committee hearing when the bill was being presented brought up as an educator of in order to create a healthy teaching environment for students to learn they have to have a safe space and I was a debate coach for five years and I had a student that went by a different name when I saw them than they did at home and it wasn't that they didn't feel safe it was just they were they were exploring their own identity and it wasn't really my place to like tell their parents um, hey your child is going by this name here and not at home and eventually they came out and they were embraced with open arms and they go by that name now indefinitely and that's great for them but it was my job as a debate coach to make sure that they felt safe as I was teaching them as I was taking them on these debate trips mm -hmm. uh, Ben one more on uh, this and this theme here is from uh, Senator Dan McKay it was uh, whether or not you can change the gender on your birth certificate uh, until you cannot change it until uh, you turn 18 years old this right. one passed. This also passed. Um, this seems to be in response, at least partly, to the Utah Supreme Court ruling uh, about gender marker changes. Uh, this was a, a case that the Supreme Court sat on for years because they were waiting for the legislature to do something. The legislature never did anything. And the issue there in that case, just a quick primer for everybody, is that um, there were certain judges that would or would not grant gender marker changes, depended mm -hmm. on you rolled the dice and, and which judge you got. There was no uniform policy. The court wanted a uniform policy because um, these two transgender individuals sued and wanted the right to be able to do that because they happened to get the judge that didn't want to do it. Uh, so the court was waiting for the legislature to do something. The legislature didn't do anything. So the court finally ruled and the court said all judges have to grant these things. What this is doing is, uh, at least in somewhat in response, is setting guardrails and saying that as youth, as minors, you don't get the ability to do this. I can't help but wonder if that may also present a legal challenge, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to driver licenses and other documents that you do rely on a birth certificate for. Uh, one more big issue, uh, abortion. And I'm going I'm to put that as a general category because there's a bill that might you might not think is necessarily just connected to abortion, but it is. So as our as our attorney here on the panel here, Michelle, I'm going to talk to you about this. Uh, this is uh, Representative Brady Brammer brought up a bill this week. We talked about it a little bit on the Hinkley Report last week, changing the rules of civil procedure about what can happen with a preliminary injunction. Talk about the restrictions that would go in place with this bill. So to get a TRO and a preliminary injunction right now in Utah, you you have to go and prove that. Yeah, certain things, including that you're that you could um, that that you could prove your case when it eventually mm -hmm. comes uh, to you know to when when it eventually come you know yeah, is right. heard. Um, it, right now, the abortion bill is under a, a preliminary injunction or a temporary you know a, temp, a, a TRO. Um, this bill would would uh, would say that. Um, 
all preliminary injunctions, all cases that are under preliminary injunctions have to be re-reviewed. They have to be re-reviewed. They have to, you have to go in, they have to be re-heard in front of a judge and you have to show that, that it can be proved. Um, it, it takes out one of the yeah. standards. Yeah. It, it takes out one of the standards. And what, what happens is that instead of just taking, instead of just, I'm not explaining this very well, obviously, but it, it, it takes all of the cases that are under a preliminary yeah. injunction instead of just the abortion So case. let's take about why this would be the case, Ben, because it's a retroactive bill. So the new standard would be uh, can't grant a, temp a temporary... Not, not quite so retroactive as it used to be. It was amended, but you can, as a party, as, a, as the losing party, go back and say, hey, judge, are you sure you sure? <laughs> so, so there's that possibility. The standard here would be uh, you, the judge would not be able to grant the preliminary injunction unless there was a substantial likelihood of success. And this, this going back to some extent is kind of what Michelle's talking about as well. Yeah, but there were like tens of thousands of, of cases, and they would all have to be reheard. It would put the the court system uh, in ruins, right? Because the, all of these cases, and and we're talking about stalking injunctions that currently affect women and children. All of them would have to go and be reheard, not just the abortion case. All of these cases that are currently under preliminary injunction, all of them would have to be reheard. The courts can't handle that. So because these legislators want the abortion case to be reheard, all of them, all of the cases would have to be reheard. It, it can't happen. And uh, it, it just can't happen. It, it, everybody, everything would be a mess. And Michelle, for your, from your perspective as well, there's that, that stipulation in the bill, right? The likelihood of success. And the question that I have is, can judges determine that um, it, it's discretionary. You know, it, it's hard. Um, right now, the the standard says. Um, right now, the standard includes a more discretionary factor. And what the bill does is it takes out that discretionary factor, and it, it and it and it says. You know, and it just includes this one. There are a lot of groups that have a lot of concerns with this particular piece of legislation. Every attorney in the Not state. Not sure how far this is going to get in the overall legislative scheme of things, just, just given how many different organizations uh, are weighing in on this. The Utah Medical Association spoke about this, uh, the Salt Lake County District Attorney's Office, the Administrative Office of the Courts, while taking no position on the bill, did express concerns about the impact of the legislation. So its fate remains uncertain at this point. Okay. Didn't every comment in that committee vote against it and then against they passed it? Yes, it no out? one supported it. Okay, so speaking of you know some division, I feel like I failed division. It was, in my it was just, just right, and we'll watch this one go forward too very closely. Uh, can we talk about school choice just a tad? All right, so the governor, the other one that's still going on. <laughs> it is. So so the governor has talked about uh, about some school choice. It seems to be the legislature and the governor are united in trying to. Get get more money for teachers. Uh, whether or not there's a string to that is is the question. So say, just talk about that just for a moment, because a bill came up this week and it, it passed out a committee 12 to four uh, on from Candace Perucci and Senator Kirk Cullimore, uh, which they're talking about, they're calling it scholarships. The scholarships, the tax, tax money that would go to a student would now follow the student. You could get a scholarship to take your kid private school, homeschool, other approved educational facilities.
Yes, they are coining it, coining it school choice. Other people call it a voucher program. It's all about perspective on that. But what essentially this bill does is tie teacher pay raises to that scholarship fund. So in order for public school teachers to receive that raise, they also have to create this fund that would allow parents to send their children to a private school or help pay for homeschool, for example. And it is really contentious, um, specifically within the education community. I know that the teacher union in the state says, these are two separate issues. They should not be voted on as one issue. Um, they should not be tied together. It should not be determined. Uh, teacher pay should not be determined on whether or not uh, vouchers or school choice is actually going to happen. And so, yeah, th there's, there's a lot of very robust debate around it. And people say that a lot has changed since the last time the like, what, what what year 2007 is yeah, where it started yeah 2007 a lot has changed um, president Stuart Adams will say COVID you know he says that there has been a lot of his constituents called and say that they want this choice they want the ability to use their tax dollars other places for education and there's I'm sure it's we're definitely not at the end of hearing what's going on no and the bill I think now uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, I think it has a cap on how much money is authorized for this program. It's like eight thousand. Yeah, where previously 8, it was sort of open-ended, so that might be a little more palatable for some. Um, you know, and this it's this idea of whether the governor it, will support this legislation. But it seems like they have a little bit of a bargain, where if you can fund education to the levels that he's happy with, he has at least signaled that he will sign this or at least consider it. And additionally, the thing that is kind of interesting about this too is that these voucher programs in other states has usually been directed towards individuals who are already in private school or um, have a higher income. And something that uh, House Majority Leader Mike Schultz said is that they're really trying to target lower income families to actually move them out of public education and into private education to where they probably wouldn't be able to afford mm -hmm. uh, otherwise. But that remains to be seen. There's that's that's signaling, but that's not execution. No, yeah, $8,000 won't afford any private school. So, so. I call this the Mary Poppins bill because just a spoonful of sugar <laughs> will help the medicine go down. Listen, if you if you think that your bill is a good idea, let it sit stand separate and see if it will pass. But they they won't. They're they're adding it to this money, you know, this extra uh, raise for teachers because they they want to see if mm -hmm. you know because they're adding sugar to their poison. Mm -hmm. So to, to that amount to the money, so so our viewers know it's two hundred million dollars is what. Uh, currently designated for salary increases and $42 million for the scholarship overall. Those are some numbers we'll be watching. The teachers to your deserve point. that raise separately. So, uh, so a couple other issues I want to get to uh, as well, uh, just because so many people are weighing in this week. A new state flag. I want to show a picture so our viewers can see the new state flag. So we, as we talk about this, because a lot of people are weighing in uh, on this flag. There's the old flag and the new flag. So uh, this is Senator Dan McKay. Uh, ben, he's been working on this for quite a while. A long time, and this bill, uh, for some reason, just it's gonna it's gonna always inspire a little bit of debate. But uh, you know, you you see online, everybody has opinions. There were thousands of comments uh, when they were designing this. A lot of input. Uh, certainly, there's a lot of support uh, at the reception for the governor's state of the state address last night. I saw that people were getting their photos taken in front of the the new proposed flag, even though the full Senate has yet to vote on it. But, um, you know, certainly there's some excitement surrounding this. There are a few people who don't like it, and they're, they're very, very uh, outspoken about how much they don't like it. But, um, you know, stay tuned. This, this is going to get yeah. a vote in the Senate, and uh, then it'll go over to the House. What's, so not, what's not to like? 
About the new flag? Yeah, let's well, get it over with. <laughs> uh, well, uh, it was interesting, Senator Mike Lee posted an opinion piece about this in support of the new flag. He used a good word. Uh, he, I, I don't remember what it was. <laughs> the sempaternal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, 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 our eternal desire to improve. Yes, we it's can. A million dollar word for us. Interesting to note that the House sponsor of this bill is the House Majority Leader Mike Schultz. If that doesn't give you an idea of the level of support for mm -hmm. this, I'm sure it'll pass. Let's just get it over with and move on. Okay. The the old the the current state flag would become designated as a ceremonial flag that the governor could then direct when it is going to be used at events and functions. Very interesting. Uh, uh, Sage, you gave some great commentary last night on the state of the state. This is the big moment for the governor of the state of Utah to put forward some priorities and to talk to Utahns directly in front of the legislature. Uh, some themes from that that you saw. Yeah, specifically, uh, I'm a big water nerd, so I really kind of focused on water, and I'm happy that there has been a lot of momentum to try and fill our drying reservoirs, the Great Salt Lake, and trying to get on top of the Colorado River. Um, but yeah, that was a big theme of, you know, but he also did kind of signal, you know, if God's not gonna fill the lake, then we are. Um, I would really like to see how we are going to fill yeah. the lake. Um, and that's something I think, as Ben's pointed out, will. Uh, be a topic of conversation in the legislature once we get yeah. through these controversial bills. And there are, they're already being introduced. You have mm -hmm. legislation that's been filed last night. I was up um, reviewing bill filings like I do. And um, <laughs> it is, uh, you've got a turf buyback bill that has now been mm -hmm. filed. You've got um, agriculture optimization is going to be a priority funding request, which is going to be huge because the biggest water user is agriculture. So if you give them money for new technology to use less water, the view is, is that this is water that can go downstream to the Great Salt Lake. Uh, and then you have uh, cloud seeding enhancements, which just squeeze a little bit more juice out of a storm uh, that they're seeking funding for. Uh, Department of Natural Resources also wants money to pay farmers not to grow mm -hmm. crops that maybe you let that alfalfa crop sit, not, not plant it this year and let the water go downstream. At the end of the day, they gotta show their homework and you've gotta get water into the lake. Mm -hmm. Because these storms, they're fantastic, but really you need much more going into that lake. They're, they're great in the winter and definitely go away in the summer, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is where uh, it's most In bad. our last 30 seconds, Michelle, one more thing in this speech that our legislature seems to be united on is tax cuts. That was a theme in that speech. How likelihood is that going to, going to be for this session? Oh, I think our legislature loves tax cuts. They like to say, we've cut your taxes and, and that's what we do for you and go and enjoy your extra 60 cents. <laughs> but I don't think it'll be as deep as people would like because they are worried about a recession in the future. Yeah, that definitely seems to be a theme, is we have some surplus now, but will we have it later? And I think we're going to see some, not just those interesting um, investments, but also some rainy day fund as well. Thank you so much for your insights this evening. What an interesting start to the legislative session. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Hinkley Report. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help more people find out about it, please rate it and leave us a positive review.